a man was driving his family to church and they were attacked by robbers on the way and the man was shot and died. After some time, the wife and her children were praying in the family. And the youngest child, Charlie, asked the mother, Mom, will those who kill dad go to heaven? The mom reflected for a while and in anguish said, My dear, yes, if they repent and they are forgiven. Then little Charlie said, Mom, if they will go to heaven, then I don't want to go to heaven with them. The mom thought it over and said, Charlie, if they repent and ask for forgiveness, and Jesus forgives them and brings them to heaven, they will never be the same again. Jesus will change them and they will be better persons than they were. Then Charlie said, Mom, then let us pray for them to go to heaven. Today, we live in a world where we have the natural inclination and tendency for revenge to seek that perpetrators of crimes or those who have offended us pay dearly for what they did. But Jesus tells us something different, a very challenging admonition. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. Dearly beloved, this is very challenging to all of us. It's not easy. But when Jesus says we should love our enemies, Jesus is not saying that when we meet our enemies, we throw our arms around them. In any way, they will never allow us to do so. Loving our enemies means that we don't harbor grudges against them. We don't have perpetual hatred towards them. We don't judge them as if there is no possibility for a change. You know, one of the basic principles of spirituality is that nobody is completely evil and nobody is completely good. In any given circumstance, we find ourselves at the crossroads. We could either turn right or left. We could either respond with goodness or with evil. But what Jesus is saying to us is that 
when people act in darkness, we should brighten their darkness with our light. In other words, we should not present darkness in the midst of darkness. You know, at times, even as Christians, we stoop so low that we play the game of the evildoer. People with wicked mentality and perform wicked actions, we try to pay them back by playing the ball into their gallery. Last night, I was going through my nose. I was in Chicago, and uh, I did a course on uh, Mary and exorcism. And I remember one thing that was said is that don't ever play the game of the demon. In other words, the devil is a liar, and if you are an exorcist and you lie, you have found yourself in their domain. So if you are a Christian and somebody harms you, and you ignore what Jesus says, and you want a revenge, you want to pay them back in their own coin, we have stooped so low into their level. We are never better than they are. But in such circumstances, we need to learn from this widow whose husband was killed, and her response to her little son, Charlie. And what we also hear about David in the first reading of today. David had put his life online to defend his nation against the fearsome Philistines. He won victory for his nation, and the woman sang operations for him. And unfortunately, the king Saul now wants to take his life. And worse of it all, that when Saul was displeasing to God, and God sent Samuel to go and anoint David in Bethlehem, and when Saul got the wind of that, Jealousy and anger fled within him and he is seeking David as an opponent to eliminate. And look at what happens. He takes 3,000 soldiers, well-trained soldiers, 3,000 in pursuit of David who had only 400 men, 400 who were not Warriors, probably family members and friends and sympathizers who went with him as supporters. But in my culture, they say, if you claim to know how to fight your battle, the Lord does not fight on your behalf. Saul felt he was capable, commander of the, of the army, could win the battle easily with 3,000 soldiers against David who had only 400 men who were not skilled. But the Lord fought on behalf of David. In the mountains of southern Judea, we are told that 
David went to the camp and he found Saul asleep. And beside him is Abner, the army commander. And all the soldiers, because the Lord himself had made them to, to sleep. They went there. And Abishai said, well, the Lord has delivered your enemies into your hands. This is the time. This is his, his spear. Let's take it and trash him only once and you'll be gone. And David said, I should not touch the Lord's anointed. Look at it. David sees Saul as the Lord's anointed. Unfortunately for Saul, David is also anointed by Samuel, but Saul did not see David as the Lord's anointed. He sees him as an enemy. He sees him as a competitor. He sees him as a traitor, somebody that has to be eliminated at all costs. The piety of David at this instance, his respect for God and his anointed, his thoughtfulness for human life made him spare the life of Saul. A pretty person, but motivated by anger, motivated by jealousy. So he just took the spear and the water container and left. And going away, he called out to Saul, here are your logistics. I have them here. Send one of the least of your fighters to come and take it for you. One would think that this could have humiliated Saul, but when people set their eyes on revenge, when their heart is about seeking justice in their own way, they are always blinded by darkness and wickedness. And they will never succeed. Beloved, this is what is happening. But I think that what, Saul, David, what David did for Saul and what this woman did for the wicked executioners of her husband should put us who are even Christians to shame. Look, David lived at a time where they said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and a life for a life. A situation where revenge was the order of the day, yet he spared the life of his enemy. Long time before even Jesus Christ came to say the things that he is saying to us today. Love your enemies. But even though we have been beneficiaries of God's love, the second reading says the first Adam brought about death and the second man is of the spirit and brought about life. While we were yet sinners, Christ suffered and died for us. Christ made it possible for us to be called children of God once again. Even though we were sinners, we have experienced the mercy of God. We have experienced the providence of God. We have experienced the love of God. And being called children of God, supposedly we have to live a life that is complementary of our new identity 
yet we still live in the life of revenge, anger, hatred, and jealousy. Even though Christ leaves us an example that while he was on the cross, when he was suffering, that excruciating death on the cross, Jesus was able to pray for his executioners when he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Isn't that touching enough for us children of God to be praying for our enemies, praying for those who hurt us, like what this mother did, and what little Charlie said to the mother, mother, let's pray for them so that they go to heaven so that they'll be changed people. Unfortunately, at times we perceive people to be our enemies when they are not. We are like Saul. At times, you know, even families, there's conflict, there's war, there's misunderstanding, there isn't any peace, there's no happiness in the family anymore. And why is it that? Because somebody is so personal and thinks that the other has offended him or her that there's no way for redress. Why would you think your wife or husband or your child or your mother or your father would deliberately want to hurt you? You know, when people hurt us, it's not because they want to hurt us. At times they want to do something to impress us. And they go and step over their bounds and we get offended. And we treat this person as if they are monsters and there's no way for a change and we are not even ready to listen to them. Dearly beloved, in my culture we say branches that are close to each other that brushes each other. It is only those who are closer to you, those you relate with, those whom you live together and work together are the only people who will have the opportunity to offend you. People who live far away from you, who do not interact with you, who have no business doing with you, will not have the opportunity to, to offend you. But yet, even though we offend God every moment of our life, we are not willing to forgive anybody. He said, your father in heaven is kind to both the ungrateful and the grateful. He is merciful. So be like him. Stop judging and you will not be judged. We don't even have the courage to approach one another and ask, why did you do what you did? Yet, we form a conclusion which is irreversible. Whenever we come to church, we pray the Lord's Prayer and forgive us our trespasses. If this first part of the petition is appealing to us, we should reflect on the second part of the same petition. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us.
In my opinion, if you think that you are not ready to forgive anybody who has offended you, then please don't say that prayer at all. Because instead of that prayer being a blessing for you, instead of that prayer being the prayer of asking God to forgive you, it is rather becoming a prayer of curse. Because it invariably also means that, Lord, do you not forgive me because I am not willing to forgive those who have hurt me now. You know, there are some people we think they offended us for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. We're still harboring them. You know, one thing we need to understand is when you think that revenge is going to solve your problem, is going to make your heart and mind empty. Because revenge only works for a few moments. But forgiveness is what sets your heart at peace. Because if you don't want to forgive anybody, somebody, probably the person does not even know that they have even offended you. They go around freely, and you, anytime you see that person, your heart is boiling. Anytime you see that person, you are upset and mad. So at the end, it is like you saying, well, this guy had offended me, and so I'm going to drink this toxic and he or she is going to die. He's not going to die. You are killing yourself. Once you cover grudges in your heart, you are killing yourself softly. The other one is growing in grace and in grace and you are suffering. You know, one thing I don't understand that even those of us who call ourselves pro-life Catholics, pro-life Catholics, would always want the death penalty for a first-degree offender. And if they don't get a first... We are upset. If they don't get a death penalty, we are not satisfied. It's like there is no repentance and there's no salvation for that person. Instead of praying for the person, we don't. Dearly beloved, we live in a world where revenge has blinded most of us. Even though Christians and Catholics don't normally take the life of their brothers and sisters, but we always find ways to take a revenge find ways to destroy the other person. That is not what Jesus is telling us today. May the example of David today and may the words of our Lord Jesus Christ help us to seek pardon for others and to pray for those who have offended us rather than harboring these issues and willing to take these issues into the grave. May the Holy Spirit help us. Amen. Amen. Amen.